Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Last weekend, uh, we spoke with Laura Hensley, online journalist, Global News online journalist, about a series that she is doing for Global News. And I, I remembered the conversation. I was thinking about it all week because it has to do, and it's, this is really interesting and, and important stuff. It's the relationship between the big pharma companies and doctors. And uh, part three airs tomorrow on Global Television, and Laura Hensley is back with us. I was thinking about, Laura, thanks for coming back. I was thinking about uh, what you were talking to us about, the, 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 the drug reps, drug company reps, and how they essentially maneuver so many doctors you know, where they want them to be. Yes, certainly. So, I mean, last week's story really looked at just that. The whole idea that pharmaceutical companies spent large amounts of money hiring drug reps and training them, and drug reps' sole purpose is to go to doctors and pitch them on products and, you know, really educate them and try to get them to prescribe those products. So I don't think a lot of Canadians, myself included, um, you know, really understand the impact this can have on the drugs are prescribed and the way that doctors practice healthcare. So I'm hoping that these stories sort of help educate people, but it's it's a lot to take in. Well, it is, and I, I, I don't want to mispronounce the name of the doctor you, you start with uh, on, on tomorrow's segment, um, but I'll give it a shot. Dr. Elia Abi Jaoud, is that correct? Am I close? Yes. That's, that's close, yes. Okay, medical student. When he was a medical student at the University of Manitoba in the early 2000s, you, uh, what did he tell you was going on? So when he was in med school, um, he realized that one of his main textbooks was actually published by a pharmaceutical company. And so, you know, he had concerns about that because he realized that if the educational material he's given and lots of other, you know, med students across Canada are given is being published and paid for by a pharmaceutical company, that information could potentially have bias in it. It could be a conflict of interest. And it started, you know, to raise alarm bells. Why is pharmaceutical industries having an influence on what material med students have access to? So he started a petition against that. And when I chatted with him, he still says that he has thoughts about what he learned in med school. You know, he still thinks about, you know, was there bias? Was there things I didn't really think about? Because when you're a student, you're in a more impressionable phase. You haven't been working for many years. You haven't had experiences in the field. So what you're learning, you're taking that at face value. And uh, I think pharmaceutical companies know that. Now, were the pharmaceutical companies actually providing the textbooks or providing the funding for the textbooks? So they were publishing them. So they're they're paying for these textbooks. And there's another example that happened more recently at the University of Toronto. So at UFT, there was a pain uh, course that was mandatory for med students. And that course was uh, taught in part by 
a lecturer who worked for Purdue Pharma, the manufacturers of OxyContin. And Purdue Pharma also gave the educational material for this for this pain course. So a student who's in my story that comes out tomorrow, he's now a doctor, um, Nav is his first name, and he realized this after the fact. He realized that the material he had on opioids and pain was in the form of a sponsored piece of content, essentially. It was paid for by Purdue. So again, it was this sort of subtle influence that he didn't really realize until afterwards. Yeah, you know, and, and this this whole issue of opioids is a double-edged sword, as we've talked about on this program for some time, because you have patients who live with incredible pain, a million people in this country live with chronic pain, and they need access to their to their opioid pain medications that have been prescribed by their doctors over a period of time. The prescription has been worked out between the pharmacist, between the doctor and the and the patient. But now the this whole issue of uh, of uh, the big pharma company's involvement has clouded the uh, the waters and caused problems for people who don't need the problems, and that, that's the patients. Uh, and and so, where, what did you come up with? What, what did you conclude as far as the uh, the opioids and the and big pharma is concerned? I mean, you raise a really important topic, and I think that that's something that needs to be further explored, especially in the media, because we're hearing all about you know big pharma's role in fueling the opioid crisis, and we're hearing about all these lawsuits um, and how big pharma you know, intentionally or allegedly intentionally lied to doctors about the safety of opioids. And I think, like you said, there's a lot of people who use opioids um, safely and they rely on them, you know, especially for people who have chronic cancer pain. It can be extremely effective and an important part of their care. I think the important thing to remember here is that, you know, Purdue Pharma, we'll use them as an example, court documents show that they really ramped up the marketing and they had salespeople go into these communities and target doctors, target pharmacists and say, this drug is safe for headaches. This drug is safe for back pain. You know, you have a surgery, this drug is safe. And for the a lot of people, you know, they can use opioids and they can be fine. But for other people, you know, the addictive qualities and the addictive nature of them led to a huge problem. So there was over-prescribing. And I think the fact that opioids can be used for some people is unfortunately now being lost because of the crisis, because of the over-prescribing. Yeah, there's, there's been a wedge driven between the doctor and the patient, and that's not a good thing. But if the, if the pharmaceutical company has an uh, excessive amount of influence on what the doctors are doing, as you pointed out to us last weekend, uh, that is that is concerning. And uh, I mean, I remember meeting with a doctor in uh, in Quebec with my family doctor, and she started to prescribe something to me, and then she said, "No, oh, no." She picked up the phone. She called the pharmacist, my pharmacist, mm-hmm. and she said, "Should I prescribe this for Roy for this?" Because she didn't know, but she mm-hmm. she had reached for her <laughs> she'd reached for her notepad. She started to pr- prescribe something, and I'm now guessing. She was reaching for something that she, you know, had been told was, this is what you do. This is what you give for that particular uh, situation. And uh, she, uh, I give her tons of credit for saying, hold on, I'm going to find out if this is actually good for you. Yeah, and I think that shows, you know, a sense of responsibility, right? When a doctor acknowledges, hey, wait a second, I'm not entirely sure. Let right. me double check. That shows that the interest of the patient is at the forefront. And I think sometimes people... You know, doctors get so busy, they have so many patients, they just rely on information from reps if they see them. And I think stepping back and, you know, trying to be unbiased and think about evidence objectively can really help inform what they give to their patients. Is there something else that we can talk about that's on tomorrow? 
So tomorrow's story that's coming out will be online as well as a news package. And this is about how pharmaceutical companies um, pour money into medical schools. So whether this is through sponsoring research, through philanthropic donations, or through having relationships with faculty, I talked to a lot of experts and, you know, former med students about the relationship in med schools uh, with pharma and how pharma money can affect what they learn, how they learn, and ultimately affect the type of medicine they practice as a doctor. So we'll look for that tomorrow online and on Global Television, Laura Hensley's four-part series on uh, Big Pharma and Doctors. It's um, it's quite an interesting relationship. We're finding out more about it. Laura, thank you so much for joining us uh, this weekend. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. Laura Hensley from, uh, Laura Hensley from uh, Global News. I want to tell you as well that uh, if you are a chronic pain patient, the Chronic Pain Association of Canada has a survey online right now for you, and you can go to chronicpaincanada.com, chronicpaincanada.com, and you can fill out the survey. I've done lots of programs with chronic pain patients, million or so in this country, and a few weeks ago I spoke with the co-chair of the uh, pain task force, the chronic pain task force that um, was started by the federal government. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.